Thank you for downloading from the Great Commission Society. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about our global ministry and team at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. We live in a world characterised by brokenness. We don't have to look very hard to see there are things like disease, disasters and destruction. There's a lot of pain in this world. Our brokenness was not God's original design. God has a perfect design and we see evidence of his design when we see the beauty of a newborn baby or an incredible sunrise or sunset. The reason why we've ended up in brokenness is by what the Bible calls sin. Each of us have walked away from God's perfect design and started to pursue our own way and that leads us to brokenness that eventually leads us to death. Death will separate us from God forever. God loves us very much and does not want us to stay in brokenness, and so he has provided a way out for us through his son, Jesus. Jesus is fully God, and yet he became fully man in order to enter into our brokenness. But in God's nature, Jesus was able to live a perfect life. It was here that Jesus took our place by dying a cruel, painful death on a cross, and was totally abandoned to take our brokenness upon himself. Three days after he died, Jesus rose from the dead, and today Jesus is alive. In doing so, God has made a way for us out of brokenness and a way to be fully restored. People try many things to get out of brokenness. Things like religion, success, relationships, education, career or drugs and alcohol. But none of these things can get us out of brokenness. But if we believe that Jesus died for us and rose from the dead, and turn away from the bad things and say sorry to Jesus, and surrender our lives to him daily, God has told us in the Bible that we can be forgiven. When we do this, we can leave brokenness, grow in our faith and relationship with God, and pursue his perfect design in our lives. And more than that, we can go. We can be sent into brokenness to help others through Jesus to pursue God's perfect design. Now, there are two types of people in the world. There are those pursuing God's perfect design, and there are people still in brokenness. We have to ask ourselves, where are we? Where do you see yourself in this picture? And where would you like to be? Today, there are many who would identify themselves as Christians. Yet, the Christian life for so many is rooted in convenience rather than biblical convictions. Convictions are an expression of faith, and Christians often talk about a sense of conviction that grows when God's Word does its work. But what does it mean to be convicted of something? Hello, and welcome to our GCS podcast with author and evangelist Tony Anthony. The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word conviction as a firmly held belief or opinion. Something you cling to so strongly that it impacts the way you think and the way you live your life. Someone has put it this way. A belief is what you hold, but a conviction is what holds you. Conviction is an incredibly valuable yet increasingly rare trait that the early Christians appeared to have a lot of. First century Christians had a difficult life. But through conviction and faith, they spread the gospel across the known world. Conviction is a powerful motivator, and it is what is needed today in a world 
filled with difficult questions and very few answers. But can the conviction of Christians conquer the world again? How can we cultivate a strong biblical conviction? What kind of process is needed to bring a person to faith in Christ? Let's join Tony as he shares a powerful testimony that will encourage you to cultivate the habit of anchoring your convictions in the Bible. A number of years ago, in a Baptist church in Crystal Palace in South London, the Sunday morning service was closing and a stranger stood up at the back, raised his hand and said, Excuse me, pastor, can I share a little testimony with you? Well, the pastor looked at his watch and he said, you've got three minutes. This man proceeded. He said, I've just moved into this area. I used to live in another part of London and I came from Sydney in Australia. And just a few months back, I was visiting some relatives and I was walking down George Street. You know where George Street is in Sydney. It runs in the business hub and out to the rocks of the colonial area. A strange little white-haired man stepped out of a shop doorway, put a pamphlet in my hand and said, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I was astounded by those words. Nobody ever asked me that question. I thanked him courtesy and all the way on British Airways back to Heathrow, this puzzled me. I called a friend who lived in this new area where I'm now living and I thank God he was a Christian. He led me to Christ and I'm a Christian and I want to fellowship here. Now Baptists love testimonies like that. Everyone applauded and welcomed him into the fellowship. That Baptist pastor flew to Adelaide in Australia the next week. Ten days later, in the middle of a three-day series in a Baptist church in Adelaide, a woman came to him for counselling and he wanted to establish where she stood with Christ. And she said, I used to live in Sydney and just a couple of months back I was visiting friends in Sydney doing some last minute shopping down George Street and a strange little white-haired man, elderly man, stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a pamphlet and said, excuse me madam, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I was disturbed by those words, but when I got back to Adelaide, I knew this church was on the next block from me, and I sought out the pastor, and he led me to Christ. So, sir, I'm telling you that I'm a Christian. Now, this London pastor was now very puzzled. Twice within a fortnight, he heard the same testimony. He then flew to preach at the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in Perth, and when his teaching series was over, the senior elder of that church took him out for a meal, and he said, mates, how'd you get saved? He said, I grew up in the church from the age of 15 through Boys Brigade. Never made a commitment to Jesus, just hopped on the bandwagon like everybody else. And because of my business ability, grew up to a place of influence. I was on a business outing in Sydney just three years ago, and an obnoxious, spiteful little man stepped out of a shop doorway, offered me a religious pamphlet, cheap junk, and accosted me with the question, excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I tried to tell him that I was a Baptist elder, but he wouldn't listen to me. I was seething with anger all the way home on Qantas to Perth. I told my pastor, thinking he would sympathise with me, but my pastor agreed. He'd been disturbed for years knowing that I didn't have a relationship with Jesus, and he was right, and my pastor led me to Jesus just three years ago. Now this London preacher flew back to the UK and was speaking at the Keswick Convention in the Lake District, and he threw in these three testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, four elderly pastors came up and said, We got saved between 25 and 35 years ago, respectively, through that little man on George Street giving us a tract and asking us that question. He then flew the following week to a similar Keswick convention in the Caribbean to missionaries, and he shared the testimonies. At the close of his teaching session, three missionaries came up and said, We got saved between 15 and 25 years ago, respectively, through that little man's testimony and asking us that same question on George Street in Sydney. 
Coming back to London, he first stopped outside Atlanta, Georgia, to speak at a naval chaplain's convention. And when his three days of revving these naval chaplains up, over a thousand of them in Albany, the chaplain general took him out for a meal. And he said, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, it was miraculous. I was serving on a United States battleship and I lived a reprobate life. We were doing exercises in the South Pacific and we docked in Sydney Harbour for replenishments. We hit King's Cross with a vengeance. I got blind drunk, I got on the wrong bus and got off in George Street. And as I got off the bus, I thought it was a ghost. This elderly white-haired man jumped in front of me, pushed a pamphlet in my hand and said, Sailor, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? The fear of God hit me immediately. I was shocked sober and ran back to the battleship, sought out the chaplain, and the chaplain led me to Christ there and then. And soon I began to prepare for the ministry under his guidance. And here I am in charge of over a thousand chaplains and we're bent on winning Albany for Christ. That London preacher, six months later, flew to do a convention for 5,000 Indian missionaries in a remote corner of northeastern India. And at the end, the Indian missionary in charge, a humble little man, took him home to his humble little home. And over a simple meal, he asked the question, how did you as a Hindu come to Christ? He said, I was in a very privileged position. I worked for the Indian diplomatic mission and I travelled the world. And I am so glad for the forgiveness of Christ and his blood covering my sin, because I'd be very embarrassed if people found out what I got into. One bout of diplomatic service took me to Sydney, and I was doing some last-minute shopping, laden with parcels and toys and clothing for my children, walking down George Street. And this courteous little white-haired man stepped out in front of me, offered me a pamphlet and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? If you die tonight, are you going to heaven? I thanked him very much, but this disturbed me. I got back to my town. I sought out the Hindu priest, and he couldn't help me, but he gave me some advice. Just to satisfy your curious minds, nothing else, go and talk to the missionary in the mission house at the end of the road. Well, that was fatal advice, because the missionary led me to Christ. I quit Hinduism immediately, and then began to study for the ministry. I left the diplomatic service, and here I am, by God's grace, in charge of all these missionaries, and we're winning hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. Well, eight months later, that Crystal Palace Baptist pastor was ministering in Sydney, in Gymea, a southern suburb of Sydney, and he said to the Baptist minister, Do you know a little man, an elderly little man that witnesses and hands out tracts on George Street? And he said, I do, and his name is Mr. Jenner, J-E-N-N-E-R. But I don't think he does it anymore. He's too frail and elderly. The man said, I want to meet him. Two nights later, they went around to this little apartment and knocked on the door, and this tiny, frail little man opened the door. He sat them down and made them some tea, and he was so frail, he was slopping tea into his saucer as he shook. And as he sat with them, this London preacher told him all these accounts over the previous three years. This little man sat with tears running down his cheeks. He said, my story goes like this. I was serving on an Australian warship, and I lived a reprobate life. And in a crisis, I really hit the wall, and one of my colleagues, who I gave literal hell, was there to help me. He led me to Jesus, and the change in my life was night to day in 24 hours. And I was so grateful to God. I promised God that I would share Jesus in a simple witness with at least 10 people a day, as God gave me strength. Sometimes I was ill. I couldn't do it, but I made up for it at other times. I wasn't paranoid about it, but I've done this for over 40 years. And in my retirement years, the best place was on George Street. There were hundreds of people, and I had lots of rejections, but a lot of people courteously took the tracts. 
And he said, in 40 years of doing this, I've never heard of one single person coming to Jesus until today. Now that's got to be commitments, don't you think? That has to be just sheer gratitude and love for Jesus to do that. Not hearing of any results. Someone did a little calculation that Mr. Jenner had reached over 146,100 people for Christ. That simple, non-charismatic man was able to influence somehow to Jesus more people than we could ever have imagined or hoped for. And I believe that what God was showing that Baptist minister was just the tip of the tip of the tip of this iceberg. Goodness knows how many more had been arrested for Christ and were doing huge jobs out there in the mission field. Mr. Jenner died two weeks later. Can you imagine the reward he went home to in heaven? I doubt it his face would ever have appeared on Charisma magazine. I doubt if there would ever have been a write-up with a photograph in Billy Graham's Decision magazine, as beautiful as those magazines are. Nobody except a little group of Baptists in southern Sydney knew about Mr. Jenner. But I tell you, his name was famous in heaven. Heaven knew Mr. Jenner, and you can imagine the welcome and the red carpet and the fanfare he went home to when he arrived in glory. We know that Mr. Jenner was a man with an overflowing heart, a man who, in gratitude to God, sought to pay back something of the debt of love he recognised that he owed. How grateful am I? How grateful are you? Mr. Jenner was a remarkable man, and it's only right that his story be told. But he was qualified by nothing more than the call that we two share. He was anyone and everyone, just one human being grateful for his salvation and lovingly obedient to his master, even though he saw nothing for his efforts. Is that you? We read in the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 11, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. If this story does anything, I pray that it encourages you to start boldly and confidently sharing the gospel every day, not caring what others think, but seeking only to please the author and finisher of all things, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoyed the message. Please subscribe and leave a rating and review to help others find our podcast. At GCS, our mission is to communicate the gospel message relevantly to every person in the world. One way we do this is by providing practical resources to help you grow in your faith and present the Christian faith across different cultures. You can find out more about our resources at www.greatcommissionsociety.com. If you would like to donate to our efforts, be sure to contact us or you can donate online. GCS is a listener-supported ministry and is chaired by a board of directors in Edinburgh, UK.